At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Good evening, listeners, brave navigators of the enigmatic and the concealed. Have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, Paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK Ultra mind control to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded. Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast, where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth. Hello and welcome to another episode of Paranoid American Podcast. First off, thank everybody. Let me let me do this quick. Thank everybody for backing the Chaos Twins Kickstarter or Indiegogo with uh, Sam Tripoli. It was incredible. We raised over thirty grand. We sold over a thousand comics in a month, and they'll be shipping out throughout January. So even if you missed out on that, you can go to ChaosTwins.com and get that. So it's a all family ages friendly comic about fun stuff uh, if you like sam tripoli then just grab it for the, the mere fact of supporting him um so today i've got a guest that is adele aka the conspiracy queen uh and i want to welcome her to the show paranoid american and um first of all i found you because someone shared a couple clips uh of you on someone one some social network i don't know if it was tiktok or instagram but i found your instagram page and i just saw it was like banger after banger um, like all the videos just kind of like communicating in such succinct ways what I feel like a lot of people take even myself like I'll take like paragraphs and paragraphs and somehow you're able to just like nail the whole idea like so I'm just uh, first of all uh, I want to just say you know welcome truth bomb mom Adele where can people find you uh, if there's anything that you want them to check out go ahead and let them know now so they got something to do while while we're talking well hey 
thank you for having me. That is such a, so nice of you to say. Um, and it takes practice. Sometimes I have to do reels over and over and over. <laughs> and sometimes I have to leave them and come back to them. So, uh, it's gone crazy over here. Um, yeah, so I am on Instagram as truth.bomb.mom. I'm on TikTok as the same name. I have a Telegram. Um, the channel is called Get Me Off This Planet. And I, ha- I have a Twitter that I don't really use. So I won't even say that one. <laughs> well, why is Twitter get the cold shoulder? Well, I mean, the others require a lot of time and effort. And I feel like Twitter, first of all, every time I get on there, I see something that is like traumatizing. So I don't even get on it that much. Um, I just feel like every terrible, horrible thing, like in real time, like I'm seeing live this horrible thing. And I'm like, I can't really handle that every day. So I just forget about it. Could could that be a good side of censorship? Is that like there's legitimately traumatizing content that even though it should be free that like having it just accessible the second you open an app up maybe there's something bad to that i i'm i absolutely think so um so when the hamas group attacked um gaza or wherever they were exactly um they were putting out so much graphic footage of like dead women and like people being rode off on motorcycles and dead babies. And first of all, you don't know what's real and what's not real. Okay. What's staged and what's actually like happening. Um, but just to see that, like, I don't think we were meant to watch people being murdered, people being killed. Um, people, I I just don't, that's my personal opinion. I don't, I don't think we should be looking at that at all. Um, I think it does something to our brains and our, our uh, nervous system. And I think it actually pours in cortisol into our, our bodies, which, you know, it, uh, it causes a lot of autoimmune conditions. So for me, I'm like, I can't handle it. And I already have an autoimmune condition, so I don't want another one. I don't want to get worse. So I absolutely think that there's something to that. Right. I guess just seeing somebody else in extreme stress causes your body to empathize. Unless, you know, you have no empathy, which is its own problem that you should get checked out. But uh, just empathizing with them and going through that same stress does, you know, incredible things. And I think the Vietnam War was the last one where the media was kind of like, oh, yeah, we'll just show whatever. And after that, they were like, okay, we're not showing anything anymore. Like maybe you'll get some photos, like you'll get the photo but no more live footage because it was just way too predictable. So now that content has just found itself online where I guess Twitter is like the, the only social media I can think of where you might open it up and just see a beheading that you weren't expecting, like in between, you know, like your friend's uh, food update and then like, Oh, look who's having a baby. Oh, and that's somebody missing a head. (laughs) Right. Totally. Uh, Yeah. I, um, I can't handle it. And I just would appreciate a, like a, film over it so i can't exactly see what it is and then it just says graphic content warning um you know if if we want to have free speech platforms then we have to allow i guess everything um otherwise it's like you know there's a gray area and and legalese and you can fight over all that but just i'd appreciate just a little little something a little curtain yeah a little little privacy screen or something and that's 
And it's funny too, because now we're talking about like the richest, the publicly richest person in tech on the planet, uh, using one of the largest platforms on the planet with all of like the smartest, you know, Silicon Valley geeks. So we don't have the technology isn't really an excuse anymore because you absolutely do. So it, it does feel like there's almost something either intentional or flippant about it. I'm not sure. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think Elon Musk is like wants people to just see graphic content or is he just flippantly doing it because he knows nobody else would? Okay. So my thoughts on Elon Musk are that give me, give me the goss. He is controlled up for sure. Um, He is bought. He says he bought Twitter. I saw on Joe Rogan for like the good of humanity to help uh, because he was seeing the downfall of humanity through Twitter, which I mean, is one tiny little piece of a huge puzzle. Okay, but now we can see beheadings on Twitter. So so it all worked out. (laughs) Right. Elon. First of all, his mom has all the pictures of the all-seeing eye. His ex-wife, I forget, Grimes, I think is her name, right. has all the pictures of, like, blood everywhere and, like, Satan. And he wore that white coat with the New World Order sign on the back of it. Um, so I personally think he bought it, first of all, to get as much data as he possibly can. If you're looking to uh, create a neural link and you need data and you need to test, like, what better way than through Twitter? Um, and. I just think that he's, who else? He hired some lady from the WEF to, to like run his Twitter. Do you know who I'm talking about? I wasn't prepared for a pop quiz, so no. Something, Gina Saccarino or something like that. Uh, I forget her name. I'll post the link to her OnlyFans in the comments. Um, there's just so many like things that are off about him and the fact that people are just because he's saying he's more conservative now because he's saying he wants to help humanity. Like I don't buy it at all. Not at all. Um, if, if AI is summoning the demon is what he says, then why are you using it, bro? Like stop using AI, stop putting money into developing AI for summoning the demon. Like don't, don't give me double speak and then expect me not to question you. Maybe he sees himself as like King Solomon. Like I'm summoning demons, but like I'm doing it the right way. And I'm like doing it for good. For you, no, know? <laughs> no, no way, dude. He, uh, I mean, it all looks demonic to me anyway. And why would you want to put a, a chip in people's brains? Like it, there's just, it, nothing adds up about that guy at all to me. And like, his mines where they mine lithium, first of all, it's horrible for the planet. So there's nothing green about Tesla. Um, and there's all a bunch of like, it's slave labor. Okay. And there's children doing a lot of this slave labor because there's no regulations in those countries about the ethical work practices. And I'm just, I'm like, this guy is just all around bad, but people don't see it. They don't see it because he talks a good game. A lot of he even admitted this when he was on SNL, but a lot of people think he's like conservative or he's based, uh, but really he's just autistic. So he just he just says like whatever is on his mind at certain points, I guess, or the the things that he does think about and the focus that he puts on things. It's just it's unrelatable to a lot of people. 
Um, but it comes across as based because it's like, I'm doing this even if you don't understand it or you don't want me to do it or you're actively against it. I don't care. I'm still doing it. Like that's kind of a based position, but it's not because it's like for the interest of some kind of a collective. That's just the laser focus of Elon Musk, I think. Um, but we can still be friends. Elon, if you're watching this, reach out. I'll take your money, whatever. Uh, how do you know he's autistic? Is that I've never heard that before. He he, speci- he was on SNL and he specifically said he had like the monologue where they open up and they do the jokes and stuff. And it it went over as much as you think an Elon Musk stand up went over. But at the okay. end, he, he basically publicly outed himself and said, you know, I'm autistic and it comes across as. Uh, and I don't, I'm going to just paraphrase because I don't know what the full thing is, but he said he was autistic and that that kind of like makes people think that he's a certain way when really that's his, his claim is autism. So if that, if that adds any extra clues to any of uh, theories that you've been forming, or if he's just using it as like a get out of jail free card or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, he's, he's publicly claimed that. So I, I kind of take him at his word that he is autistic because he shows all the signs, but. Uh, I mean, I don't trust it. I think that's a real easy way to get people on your side, more people of a different demographic, right? Oh, yeah, well, it's a niche. We'll, we'll, we'll give him a free pass because he's autistic. Um, he's got the puzzle tattoo, so he gets a pass. Yeah, right. I, I personally think he's a sociopath and world domination is part of his whole MO. So I don't know. I don't buy it. Can we can we go through some other celebs and and uh, political names and get your your, your takes? I, I, I want to start with Britney Spears just because it's like the latest. Do you have any opinion whatsoever on Britney Spears? Oh, she's she needs help. She she needs to go to a psych ward. Poor thing. I feel so bad for her. They MK altered her a long time ago, and you know. At some point, MK Ultra turns, they turn crazy. And so she's just out of her mind, poor thing. How, how deep do you go into MK Ultra? Is that something that, that you've looked into specifically or, or more of like a, just like a, like a superficial topic? Um, I mean, I know basics about it. Um, was it Ted Bundy? Is he the one? I think it's Ted Bundy. One of the serial killers was, um, Oh, uh, Charles Manson and there, Ted Kaczynski. Uh, there you were go. Both. They were both MK Ultra people, like experiment people. And um, yeah, I, I, I think we're all under MK Ultra to some degree through social media and through TV and through uh, 5G towers. Um, they're doing everything they can to hurt all of us. But like, I truly believe because all almost every single Disney Channel, like pop star, has just they've all gone completely insane um, that they all had to have gone through something um, that messed with their minds, whether that was like some kind of sexual trauma um, because we do know that Disney has a lot of like pedophiles or it was something, some other kind of program, something happened to those girls. We need to be careful here. Disney is a direct sponsor of this show. Seriously? Um, so no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did. I did work at Disney for ten years, but they definitely would never sponsor uh, this show. I'm, I'm curious. What do you? What are your thoughts on Disney specifically? Uh, what about like classic Disney? Let's talk about like you know Snow White, Pinocchio, like all the old ones. 
Do you think that those were any more or less nefarious than, say, modern Disney? Well, <clears throat> what is it? Operation Mockingbird, where the CIA used um, Disney to promote their propaganda starting in the 1940s. I, I think that started and never ended. Um, and I think all those movies, either uh, subconsciously or consciously, uh, send out messages. Uh, I grew up on Disney. I worked at Disney for half of a year. Um, I worked in the parking lot and drove the tram and said the spiel, but that was a long time ago. And I didn't know what I know now about them. Um, and there's, there's a couple of good movies. So it's hard to say all of Disney's bad. Um, because once in a while there'll be just a great movie, but I do think that there's a lot of messages being sent. I mean, I think everybody's seen all the ones from the nineties where there was like sexual innuendo and then like in the clouds and Lion King, there's the word, what is it? Sex, I think. And then mm -hmm. good to take off your clothes and the Aladdin movie and the whispers and then little mermaid, uh, the priest has an erection. Like there was a lot of crazy stuff like that. And then the classic, classic Disney, I don't know if you've seen it. There's one of the first Mickey cartoons ever. Uh, Mickey's making like cheese with holes in it and he's using his private parts to do that. Have you seen that? I've seen that. I think that one might've been doctored though, because the, so? there, was a, there was a give, there was a giveaway that there was a poster in the background that referred to like some kind of labor law um, to like make it look official. But that law wasn't, wasn't in existence until like, like seven or eight years after that cartoon was supposed to have been, I think that that one, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and I looked into it because I was trying to find the work. I've got connections that I can't reveal. I've got like the, oh. the X files, you know, smoking dude, but I've got a few of those connections in Disney and I can be like, oh. Hey, can you get me a work print of whatever? So I looked into that one specifically. I wanted it to be true. I, I can't give it a full stamp of approval. Um, but I, I, I'm curious, what are the good Disney movies? And then I'll ask you about the bad ones. But like, what would, if you had to give like your top three, like what are the ones that you legitimately like? Oh, I love Up. Um, Up? I think okay, that's, great, that is a good one. Great movie. Um, what else? I really like all the old movies, um, like Pollyanna. Um, that one makes me cry every time that whole era of those like real movies. Uh, I think Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is a Disney movie. Um, mm -hmm. Mary Poppins, uh, all of them. Um, so all those were really good. I couldn't find anything wrong with them. Um, so we have some of those, but um, you know, the newer ones like Encanto is a newer good one that we really liked. Um, I did. He I mean, everybody liked frozen. I did hear that frozen, the Elsa character was created from a drag queen. So that was unfortunate. Interesting. Well, so, so was, uh, Ursula from, um, um, what is it? Little mermaid. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just let you know, you can be selected with their media. If you ever want to ruin any Disney movie for yourself, I do. I have another show called the cult Disney. Um, that I do with a guy named Matt Comages, but we break down every single classic Disney movie starting from the very first one. And we just made our way through Lion King. We did recently. 
Um, but I've ruined them for some of them. I've ruined for myself forever because I looked into who wrote it, who worked on it, what was the original story based on. And some of them get real dark real quick, like within the first five minutes of research. It's like, oh, I'll never see this movie in the same light again. Now, really? to, to just to take some of the edge off, Mary Poppins gets a pass. I don't think there was anything <laughs> at all wrong with Mary Poppins. The, the, the craziest thing that came up in that one is that Julie Andrews apparently had the mouth of a sailor um, that that when the kids were on set, the parents were worried that um, Dick Van Dyke might have like, you know, said some stuff because he was known to kind of be like a drunk for a while. And I think he might have been either in recovery or like at the tail end of that. So they were worried that, you know, they might see this like drunk, you know, Hollywood star acting inappropriately. And it was Julie Andrews that was acting inappropriately and like F this and F that on the set. So I thought that was beyond interesting. (laughs) Very interesting. So like which ones uh, that you have researched get dark really fast, like from the beginning? Beauty and the Beast. Yep. um, Because it's essentially about arranged marriages like you would marry your 14 year old daughter off to some 40 year old man that lived far away in the woods and he was hairy and he was gross and he was scary and it was a way to be like hey maybe there's a prince deep down inside after you're done you know cleaning all of the like the house and cooking and you know washing that's a common theme in disney movies is like have the you know have the kids do all the cleaning and cooking and stuff that one got dark Sword in the Stone was my all-time favorite Disney movie, and I ruined that one for myself because it was written by an old dude that really liked young boys. And it's a story. If you take a step back, that story is about an old dude that lives in the forest and likes to raise young boys as his own. Uh, You know, this is Merlin, essentially. But, But the archetype of like taking that old man mentor and it's almost perverted all like you would never see it in the movie but you right. read the author's life and his biography and lots and lots of people often themselves when it comes to like the writers of these stories oh, those are those are the top two that got ruined all the other ones are you know here and there there's there's a lot more um robin hood's fine like uh but yeah that one was the biggest blow so now robin hood is like at, at the top of my list because uh, and it's and it's so weird, right? To to not be able to separate the art from the artist. What do you yeah. what do you think about that saying? You know, separate the art from the artist. Like, could could you enjoy a Roman Polanski movie, for example? Um, I don't even know who that is. Okay, <laughs> well, you don't have to worry. He he was uh the 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 th- rumors that he's extradited from the U.S. because he's wanted for all sorts of essay charges that date back to like the seventies or the eighties. But I think it happened in jack nicholson's house so he was kind of like the fall guy for the crazy stuff that was happening in hollywood in like the 70s 80s uh you know before the world started getting more interconnected and you couldn't hide as many places but let's pick anybody else you know um how about him so i actually have seen this picture I, i you sound like you research a lot so you've probably seen this picture of quentin tarantino at some party and he's He's holding a child's leg, it. But you can sort of not tell who, what, like if he's if it's an arm, if it's an adult, like it could be a young, uh, like a very like petite woman. But based on the research that people have done, they're like that was a seven year old girl, and 
I've never been into Quentin Tarantino, but I could never watch a movie of his and enjoy it because knowing he's a creep. Like, I just can't. What about someone that has there been an artist or any actor, singer, anyone that you really liked and then something big came out and then you were like, okay, never liking that song again. If it comes on, I'm turning it. Yeah. I mean, for me, Tom Hanks, I loved Tom Hanks, right? I thought he was one of the most amazing actors, like so charming, just so lovable. And then you find out he's on the Epstein flight logs a ton of times and he became a citizen in Greece uh, where they consider pedophilia a sexual orientation. Um, that was his second citizenship. And so that ruined it for me. I can never watch another Tom Hanks movie. Not ever. I've got an unpopular opinion and I want to ask for some of your unpopular opinions after this, but I'm on the fence about Tom Hanks just because maybe I, I just like big too much and I like some of his movies too much, but so far, the the most damning evidence has been like the the gloves and the like single shoes and boots and stuff that he was posting, which admittedly is very creepy. And even his explanation is slightly creepy. The Greek thing adds just like one more Columbo fact to the the line, right? Like, oh, it's one more thing. Right. Um, but I I I don't know. Like it. Like I I don't know if I'm willing to outright just drop all Tom Hanks and accuse him um, because it's it's. I don't know. Like, I, like the the jury is still out on him for me personally, and I am in like a party of one on this. I realize this in the conspiracy community. There's so many others that I'm willing to, um, and I, I wouldn't die on the hill for time. But anyways, not about me. This is about Adele, and I'm curious what kind of hot takes or unpopular opinions do you have? And I mean, within like the conspiracy quote unquote community. Uh, well, I tend to talk about more serious topics on my pages because I feel like, uh, so many people are like, oh, I just can't watch that kind of stuff and I can't handle that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I know it's a lot and I know it's heavy, but we do have to face what's coming and like reality and not just like go live in some bubble. Um, so that can be hard for people, but I mean, I personally, an unpopular opinion is that something huge is coming. I mean, I think, is there going to be an invasion? Well, there is an invasion, but like, are all of those people in sleeper cells and are they going to attack at a certain point? Um, I think that's very, like very possible. Um, to me, the craziest part is that every person that comes into the U S has a phone. Right. And I thought about this and didn't share it that much because I was like, everyone's going to think I'm crazy, but is there possibly a private cell provider that is hosting these phones, right, with their data and their calls that maybe the government owns and that at a certain point they'll they'll call and they'll say, okay, now it's time. And then all the people with the phone will do whatever they tell them to do. I mean, that's a very weird opinion, um, probably very unpopular, but like it just makes sense to me. That's where my head goes when I think about stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll take that bet and I'll raise it a little bit. And I'll just say that's okay. every phone company. Like that is literally that's Sprint, AT&T, T-Mobile, just take, throw a dart at a board. That's in my opinion, that's every company is that they're all just harvesting data. And even the ones that come out, like all the crickets and the boost mobiles and all the little, like all they're doing is just buying shares, like timeshares or like how 
um, like Priceline or, or, you know, hotels.com where, cause where they buy a big chunk of rooms that the hotel knows that they may or may not sell, but we'll sell to you at a, at a dirt cheap discount because we know for sure that we'll get money from it. And then it's up to you to resell it. So there's a lot of that going on, but ultimately at the very top of that pyramid, right? There's like one company that's probably just like the global government that owns all of the sell everything. This is Elon Musk and his satellites, whatever. And then right under that, maybe it's broken into AT&T and Sprint. And we all pretend like they're these different companies and then they get broken down into regional offices and franchises. But really there's somebody that can make a call to that top of that pyramid and say, what was Adele talking about on this day at this time? And, right. and honestly, that's that's like the 1980s version. Now it's like the AI hears you say it immediately and then just like alerts the 200 people that need to know that you just said this thing or. So, yeah, <laughs> um, what do you uh, I want to get uh, just a couple more like uh, celebrity uh, just to be um, just a little bit topical. Alex sure. Jones, what's your take on what's your take on old Alex Jones? Let's say pre Sandy Hook Alex Jones. What's your take on that version? And then we'll talk about post Sandy Hook. Well, I love Alex Jones. Okay. I've loved her a very pre, long time. Pre and post Sandy Hook, same same amount of enthusiasm for Alex Jones? You know, I haven't paid as much attention to him since that whole thing. Not, right. that, <laughs> not that I like really buy it and that I think he is in the wrong. Um, because I think uh, I've seen the videos of the Sandy Hook crisis actors. So, I mean, it's it's hard for me to to be like, oh yeah, well he did this and he said this and these families are scarred forever. Like I don't, are they even real families? Like that's where we really have to ask the questions. Um, but I've always liked him and aspire to be like him. I wish I had the time and the resources to do more of what he does, but I'm just not there yet. If, if we had a scale from one to 10, one is like Greco Roman Olympic wrestling and 10 is like WWE face paint jumping off the top of the rain with like a chair. Where's Alex Jones on that scale from like real to fake? You know, you, you understand what I'm getting at? Ooh, yes. Okay. Like, is he more ultimate warrior or is he more like, you know, Greco Roman wrestler? Okay. So I think all famous people at some point have to make, um, they have to make unethical choices to keep their fame. So I think it's just the nature of being famous, um, whether you're in the conservative field or you're not. Um, so there, I'm sure that there's some of that going on. Um, but I think for the most part, he's pretty authentic. I think he's done a lot of things for no money um, just to help uncover the truth. Um, I think a lot of his work has led the way to so many people seeing what's really going on. Like Bohemian Grove is a perfect example. Um, and I watched his uh, podcast with uh, Patrick, but David, I'm not sure if you know him, um, but he's great. And he talked about sneaking into Bohemian Grove and like how he got in there. And um, I think Alex Jones's dad was like a CIA agent or something. It's hard to remember every detail of everything, but yeah, I mean, I think he's like a three. Do you remember your your first introduction to Alex Jones? Was it like a documentary or a podcast or a meme? Do you remember what year it was? 
Um, gosh, it was a long time ago, like 2006 or seven. Um, and I was hanging out cause I was into conspiracies back then and I was hanging out with you, you were, or you weren't, I were, I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, and somebody was like talking about lizard people. And then they said, Oh, Alex Jones. And then I was like, huh, tell me more about this lizard people thing. And so I went home and looked up Alex Jones and he was yelling about uh, our water being poisoned and everybody was laughing at him. And he was on, he was fighting at the Capitol back then. And, um, and I've always been like, huh, I wonder. And then the more that comes out, I'm like, Oh yeah, he was right. But the lizard people part, I'm not down with that. I don't know how you feel, but I'm not quite there. Um, are there aliens? I don't think so. I I think the the lizard thing um, was really big with David Icke. I don't know if you've heard of David Icke. He's like the the British conspiracy theorist, and then he like he was like the cheerleader for reptilians, and then anyone that came after that, I think, was almost like a little bit a nod to his research. So you, you said you love David Icke too. Do you remember the, the first video you saw with him? So I didn't even hear about David Icke till the last couple of years. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't seen him talk about re- reptilian people, um, but I would love to now. Now I've got something new to do. So that's exciting. Yeah, that, that's um, That was like one of his OG things, but it seems like he's distanced himself just a little bit from it because it took on that took on an entire life of its own his like reptilian claim and now there's all sorts of mythos and people that debate not just if reptilians are real but like what star system like whether they come from the draco star system or some other star system it gets it's almost like star trek uh nerd levels of of debates on some of this stuff oh wow i had no idea do you have any other favorite conspiracy theorists um I can name, I can just list names. I've got a million in my head. Yeah. I think so like Mark, Mark Dice. You like Mark Dice? I don't know him. Jordan Maxwell. Mm-mm. William Cooper. Nope. None of them. Okay. I've, I'll send you a reading list uh, of some. List. Uh, ever heard of Manly Palmer Hall? No. Or right, I'm going to load you up, girl. I'm going to get okay. you a whole bunch of different. <laughs> so yeah, tell, tell me some other names if you've got any on mine. So in case we can share notes. Um, so I never heard really any big conspiracy theorists besides Alex Jones. And then recently David Icke, where I found conspiracies was through other moms. Um, and how I found that was I was researching vaccines and this was back in like 2000, my daughter was born 2013. So like between 2013 and 2000 and 17, when all my children were born, I was really like focused on that. And I found these moms on, excuse me, on Instagram. And they were just talking about the history of vaccines and uh, everything to do with that. And I was down that rabbit hole real deep for a while. And that led to the WEF and that led to the Rockefellers. And that, so I kind of just was on my own with these like random women just learning from them. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Like a, like a mom group, but they're like talking about the Rockefellers, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like 1920s uh, vaccine and ish. And speaking of that too, that's one of the, the most base things that I came across is an old manly Palmer hall 
um, article. He was a, a writer from the 1920s. So this is like, you know, 100 years ago, essentially. But he has all these mystical writings about, you know, like Christ consciousness and how people are like losing the way of the light and yada, yada. But the very first newsletter, I think it was called Initiates of the Flame. And right inside of that, it was like talking about Christmas and how people have like perverted Christmas. It just sounded like something you'd read today. And then the very next page was all about like, don't get vaccines. It's like a horrible practice. You're putting like death into your, but like it was like a super crazy take that felt like it was came right out of a modern day. And there it was from 1920. Uh, So anyways, I'll I'll link you to that one if you're interested in that. Um, Another name. So what what else goes on in these mom group? What are like some really popular mom group conspiracies that might not be as exposed in just like regular conspiracy culture? Um, well, like poison in our food is a huge one because we want to make sure we have healthy children. Um, and so, you know, arsenic and rice was a huge one that came up because uh, there's a lot of rice meal and rice formula and rice, all this stuff and baby food. Um, that there's heavy metals in baby food. And so that, that all kind of happened at the same time. And, and for me, um, that kind of led to, I watched this documentary on Hulu back when Hulu was free called the future of food, which I would recommend to anyone who has not watched it just because it gives you the history of Monsanto and like what they were doing way back to discredit like farmers, they would like plant their corn right next to a farm that was like organic and natural. And then the seeds would fly over and they would claim our, our, uh, our seeds are in your corn. We now own this, this property because we patented this corn. And so they were putting all these farmers out of business. And so that was a huge, I spent a long time on just food, um, because I've always like, I was uh, overweight as a kid and I've always wanted to be healthy. Um, and then once I got my autoimmune condition, I had to go even more into food and more into like what's healthy, what works. So like I've tried carnivore diet five times. It didn't really work for me. So currently I'm on a plant-based diet, which is working very, very well. Um, but yeah, so, um, moms do talk about food a lot. We talk about vaccines. We talk about what's in the water. Uh, we talk about like heavy metals, um, heavy metal poisoning from vaccines and mothers who've, you know, done a couple and then seen something bad happen and had a detox from that. Um, and there's lots of different ways. I'm not like kind of push a product on anybody. You got to go do your own research. Uh, there's, you know, you can drink a lot of like spirulina and spinach and a lot of grains will pull the metals out of your body. Uh, you can take bentonite clay baths, um, and that'll pull toxins out of your body. And of course, you know, healthier food. Uh, but typically like I cook everything at home as much as I can, unless we're like strapped for time, because I'm like, I want to make sure my kids stay healthy. I don't want them to get an autoimmune or cancer or anything like that. So, um, that's probably like the biggest one that moms talk about. And then when, when these things come out in the news, um, like one mom was educating me on, um, the lasers from the planes. What are those called? Dudes. Uh, what is it? Uh, directed. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. We can say that. Yeah. We can say the whole thing. Yeah. So she was educating me on that. And she's one of the people I've learned from the most. And actually her story is so cool because she, 
um, when COVID happened, they felt like in their heart that the, that, that like a total economic, uh, sorry, I'm like having trouble talking, uh, economic collapse was coming. And so they, um, moved their family to some private land in the middle of America somewhere. And they, they're doing like a commune very slowly. So she's like my, who I want to be. I want to be just like her. I want to have a commune in the middle of the woods, uh, but we're just not there yet. But anyway, that's the kind of stuff moms talk about. That there's a really interesting and inspiring like homesteader movement. That's And I saw a, a meme that I'm not even going to do a good job explaining, but it was like the great grandpa uh, telling like your grandpa, you know, please take over the family farm. And, and your grandpa's like, I'm moving into the city. You know, there's opportunities there. You know, that's old school. That's old world. And now today it's like someone that has the 20 year old kid and they're like, come on, you know, take over the family practice. And they're like, no, I'm going to go back and, and re get back in touch with like great, great grandpa and go and get a farm and go and learn to like support myself and live off the land. It's just this weird uh, Ouroboros of just, you know, this repeating cycle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that uh, all of us who grew up in the city, like I'm in a suburb, um, it's just not, it doesn't feel right to me. Um, it feels like uh, everything's been planned and perfectly uh, put together to create this life. Like the government's like, this is the life you want. And I'm like, I hate this. I don't want this life. And I think that that's just like, um, it's bound to happen. Like history's bound to repeat itself. We're bound to see what actually uh, we were meant to do, which I believe is, is to farm and be outside and work with our hands instead of uh, being uh, caught up in the city or the suburbs. And I think this people are feeling that they're like over it. How does uh, like being a conspiracy theorist or for lack of a better word, there's a million, I don't take offense to that word. I think it's a great word, but how, how does that seep into say like family life, like raising kids? Is, it, is there like a Santa Claus age where you're like, okay, you're old enough. Let's talk about the Rockefellers or you're old enough. Let's talk about the federal reserve or like, how, how does that work? I love that you said Santa Claus age. That's amazing. So I mean, I think so. Um, we started with the Tuttle Twins books, uh, which okay. I recommend any person ever because they're just really good books, even though they're meant for like kids all the way through kind of high school age. Um, and they actually just came out with a conspiracy book, which is really good. I learned about some conspiracies I didn't know about. But anyway, um, so we bought my, actually my mother got us a few Christmases ago, the Tuttle Twins books, and we just let our kids like organically discover things. And then when they organically discover it and want to discuss it, we feel like that's probably the right time to discuss it. Um, so they found these books and my daughters were like, mommy, can you read these with us? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we read about the law and we read about corrupt government. And then I explained uh, through that because that was during the pandemic. I explained about Fauci and that he was a bad guy and he was wanting people to take this, this shot. And I was like, we don't we like if anyone ever tells you to take a shot, you don't do it you uh, immediately come and get mom and dad or find a safe person. Like we just went through everything, but it's cool how the doors kind of just naturally open when you have kids they are so curious um, and they, they seek truth on their own, I think. And so when, when the time comes, I'm like, let's do this. But typically I've seen like my boys know about Fauci. They know he's a bad guy, but they're six. So they're not quite there. I would say like seven, eight is a good time to start gently 
introducing these topics, but another company that I love is Brave Books and they have um, uh, more geared toward six, five, six year olds. They have a book called Little Lives Matter about like just the value of life. They have one um, about socialism and they, uh, these wolves come in and try to give free ice cream to these people. And then they like, don't give it to them and ruin their lives. And then the other one we have is called Elephants Are Not Birds. So this elephant like <laughs> tries to be a bird and he like, I get it. anyway, so that's how we talk about these topics. These really heavy topics is through these amazing books that people have written, which is incredible. I love that. Maybe put like a little uh, Tuttle Twins book, like on top of the PlayStation or like in the fridge on top of the apple pie. And what's this mom? Oh, wow. You found that. Yeah. Let's talk about the Federal Reserve. Um, I want to just throw my hat in the ring too. Um, in case you haven't, I, I won't blame you if you haven't found it because I haven't promoted it much, but I've also got a children's book about chemtrails. And I'll send you a, a copy uh, and see if, if you like it at all. Yes. I got that. I don't have it next to me, but I also have, I've got this guy here, which is the, our most popular American cryptids. And it's just a coloring book with all the different cryptids. And they're like super cute ones, right? There's cactus cat and stuff. So if that's any interest, happy to send you that one too. And you're going to have to educate me on, on that. So like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Mothman uh, in Florida, we've got the skunk ape, which is kind of like the the Bigfoot, but every state has their own unique, you know, like sort of Bigfoot-esque monster out there. I see. Okay. I didn't realize they were called that. That's very cool. Yeah. Cryptids. Love that stuff. So is there is there anything that because I'm just imagining you're like, this is Fauci. He's a bad man. If anybody ever talks to you about, you know, needles or vaccines, like, you know, you you'll, you yell stranger danger and find a safe place. Right. But what happens when the like, I assume that at some point there's a conflict like they go and they see another adult authority figure that says, no, this thing is good. And it's like, but my parents said it was bad. Has any of that ever come back in the form of like parent teacher meetings or even just the kids, like one of your kids saying that, you know, they had to stand up for something or someone told them conflicting information. No, thankfully. So we have really curated our circle um, so that our children, uh, when they're ready, we can handle that. But until they're ready, we don't have to really worry about that. Um, They don't go to public school. They go to private school. Okay, there, there's there's step one right there. That solves yeah. like 90% of the problem, right? Right, right. Um, so they go to private school. Um, the church we go to uh, is people that align with our values. And I'm very particular about who I let into my like small circle of close friends um, because you just don't know what, when people don't know things, it's when it's dangerous. So, um, I want to make sure that I have mom friends and even like for my husband, like we have couple friends that are educated on the topics that, that I think are important so that we can make sure that our children are not exposed to like iPhones with unlimited access to YouTube or, um, they're bringing a bunch of junk food over or, Hey, I've seen this movie and like the show it to my children. We don't do sleepovers. Like we're very, very, very particular about that, but we, our children have a great life. Like they're living it up. They're 
they're having the best life. So they don't notice, um, a lot of what, what we've kind of like cultivated. I mean, you, we were talking earlier on about how you could just open up Twitter and then bam, there's some traumatizing stuff. So like, I would, I would assume that the second, you know, one of your kids is old enough to have their own Twitter account that now all of a sudden that's just as accessible, even if they're not actively looking for it, it's just like, bam, right in the face. Is, yeah. Do you have an age in mind when that, like, like, when do you wean your kid into seeing beheading videos? <laughs> okay. So my brother worked for Facebook for a while. He's actually like more of a fiscally, uh, like right winged human being, but like socially he's more left leaning. Um, and he, I mean, he, goes to meet or went to meetings with Mark Zuckerberg said he was understood, uh, misunderstood. I was like, uh, you have not been educated enough, but my husband does understand the danger of tech. And so he was like, my kids are not getting social media until they're 18. And I feel the same way. I even feel like then it's too early, um, since their brains aren't fully developed till 25. But at that point, it's like, you can't really, um, you can't really like baby them. They're not babies. They're adults. They're driving, they're voting, you know, they're probably they can move out and go to college. So at that point it's on them. But when they're under my house, there's no social media at all. What happens if like, um, where we're thinking of the future. Um, I, I assume we're thinking of the future for talking like 15, 16, when your kids is like 16 and they meet a group of friends and they're like, Oh, follow me on Insta or follow me on TikTok," And they've, they've got a phone, right? So at, at that point, is it just honor system? Uh, like you better not be using like the, the Insta. <laughs> you better not be injecting the TikToks. No, um, we'll have their phones locked down with some kind of a, a spyware. I don't know what you call it. I know nothing about that stuff, but uh, my brother does. And so he's been able to guide me a little bit there. Okay. So it's like, as long as we're paying for your phone, it's, it's only going to make phone calls and do texts essentially. Right. Okay. That's a, that's a, it's a good policy. How, um, how, how do you think about the AI stuff? We were talking about technologies going off the chain. It sounds like you're, um, had some thoughts on it at least. Are you entirely anti AI? Do you think that there, there's any silver lining for AI? I mean, the silver lining is, uh, making your work more efficient, right. And creating a lot more ideas than you can come up with on your own. So I do have that respect for the technology. Um, I just think there's a really dark side to AI and you have to be really careful and <clears throat> in the wrong hands, um, AI can be used in very dangerous ways. I mean, there it, it's circling around the internet currently like that. Um, they can steal your voice and they can have your kids be your kid's voice and saying like, mom, I'm being held hostage. Like come gives this person money. And so you think it's your kid. Um, so that's super dangerous. And then recently I heard another guy talking about how there's going to be AI porn and it's going to have like, they can take someone's face and put it on a totally different person's body and create like porn that way. And I was like, that's horrific. Like that's terrifying, which is another reason why we have to keep our kids safe until they're ready. There's just, it, there's too much right now for them to just, okay, have a phone, go for it. Like we have no idea the the long-term effects of that. This is a super hypothetical because you've rightfully taken yourself out of this situation, but imagine your kids are in public school. Um, 
I, I don't even, I don't have kids. Uh, and part of it is just because I couldn't imagine raising them in the current environment. But if you actually had them go to public school, it seems like not having social media and not having unbridled access to internet 24 seven would put you in like a, a group of outcasts. Like you'd almost be like the Amish kids at school, right? Like, yeah. is there any hope for kids that are, at, or let's say parents, are there any hope for parents that have kids that they have to put in public school for whatever reasons and that also want to kind of follow what you're doing, but can't maintain, you know, them living in like a curated environment. Sure. Yeah. Um, I would say don't give your kids a phone. Don't give them social media. My kids don't have a phone um, at all. They're not going to have a phone for quite a while. We're getting them like a little smartwatch just so I can text them when they're with a friend or at like uh, sports practice or whatever. Hey, I'll be there in 10 minutes. So they're not worried or whatever, or they could text me, Hey, we are going late. That kind of a thing. Um, but I don't think any kid needs a smartphone. I don't even know that many adults need a smartphone at this point. Um, if you're using it for your business, fine, but just to mindlessly scroll and play games like is completely pointless. Um, and I think that it's okay for kids to not fit in. Um, I think fitting in is like, it's just a dangerous road because if you want to fit in as a kid and you do whatever it takes as a kid, and then that follows you your whole life, like, and who is in and who's out and what qualifies as somebody worthy of being in or out. It's, it's just like, there's a lot there you need to unpack with your children. Um, but I've seen a lot of, of articles of women who have not given their kids phones, but they go to public school or like a charter school and, um, they do kind of fall out of their friend group, which is okay because they're all texting each other. That's how they stay in, in contact, um, all that. Um, and then they're like really upset about it, like around 10, 11. And then by the time they're 14, 15, they're glad that their moms didn't give them phones because they see that their friends are like deteriorating as human beings. And so they're like, thank you, mom, that you didn't give me that. So I think that as parents, we have to make tough decisions and, um, you know, show our kids what's right and wrong. That's just me. Were you on video games with kids? Um, so we don't have any gaming systems at our house. Um, we probably won't ever if it's up to me. Um, I, I played video games growing up. We had a Nintendo, my, my neighbors had the Nintendo two, um, and we played the Aladdin game on that's Nintendo two or whatever. Brutal. That was a brutal punishing game, by the way. It was a really fun game that I never won. Um, and then my husband and I, when we were dating, we played a lot of Mario Kart on the whatever cube. Uh, oh, the GameCube. Yeah, the GameCube. So I, I think there's a time and place for video games. I just, we don't want it in our home. Um, so like when we go on vacation with the kids, we typically will go to a place. It's like a resort and it has a, you know, like a little water park and it's got a little arcade and it's got like rock climbing walls and and we'll go to the arcade and we'll all play as a family. And we're, we're trying to show them like, okay, this is fun, but like now we're done. So. And you mentioned too, like uh, your kid maybe having like a watch to pick them up from practice. So, so 
what are your thoughts on sports? Because like if your kids are in sports, there's one aspect of like being physical and learning teamwork and learning how to be a good sport and competitive and all of that social interaction aspect. Let's put that aside because that all seems, you know, um, observably very beneficial to anyone. What about like popular sports, NFL, NBA, you know, NBA? Do you have any thoughts on like public, like, you know, NFL and stuff? So are you like a Super Bowl fan or is it bread and circuses? It's, I mean, to me, it's bread and circuses. Um, I, I'm just a dork. I was always a big nerd. Uh, I never fit in in society. I had big, uh, pink glasses, uh, growing up and I was into music and I spent my time in choir and like music stuff. And my husband was into guitar and he spent his time surfing and, and playing guitar. So neither of us are really into sports. We're more of like artists, musicians, creative types. Um, like I'm, I like to be physically active, but I just don't like to watch sports. I feel like you've seen a game, you've seen one, you've seen them all, but we did um, get invited to go to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game because we're in Florida like you. Um, and that was super fun, like being there live and the energy and like there, it, there's a lot going on at once. And so there's like screens everywhere and every like couple minutes, there's like a cut and like people are throwing stuff and like there's a cannon and like so <laughs> a lot going on. So I, I, I'm like, oh, well, this is the circus. Like, this is why people yeah. love it so much. It's like a party. And I get that. Like, I can respect the fact that you have fun there and that's something that you do and you enjoy that. And that's cool. It's just not something we enjoy very much. But being there was cool, but it's not on TV. I think the danger in the bread and circus is if like you don't understand the dynamic. If you go in there and you're like, this is a distraction, um, but, but it's a welcome distraction that's different than like expecting it or, or using that to vicariously live off all your stresses of day to day and then be like, all right, back into the, the mines, you know what I mean? Um, cause that's kind of what it's, it's for in a way. So you're more into music than sports. What are, what are like your top three, um, songs or musicians you're listening to right now? Um, Right now, I don't even listen to very much music. I am very into how to like biohack my life. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so you're doing like podcasts or something, uh, books on tape? A lot of like motivational speakers and like bi- like business, how to like up level your business. So I spend a lot of time doing that. And then when the kids are in the car, each of them has a day that's designated to them that they get to choose the music. So I have four kids. So that's four days of the week where they're choosing what we listen to. And it's typically like um, Baby Shark or just something like that I hate. (laughs) But they love it and they're happy and they like um, they like, you know, children's stories. So we listen to a lot of those. But yeah, I'm not really listening to that much right now. Is Baby Shark still on repeat or is it just because they heard it, you know, four or five years ago and they're just hooked on it? Okay, so there's a remixed version that's actually pretty cool. Um, and they <laughs> like that version a lot. What's yeah, the what's the chance that Baby Shark is is a mind control song? <laughs> it's pretty high. <laughs> pretty high. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, we're we're getting towards the tail end of this. I've got a fun segment that I'm about to play. Um, and I don't know if you've seen any of my videos. If you haven't, it's completely fine. But basically, I'm just going to ask you a few different questions 
uh, or topics, and you're just going to give me a rating from zero to 10 on how plausible you think they are. Um, okay. So like, for example, you already kind of said like you were on the fence on aliens. So if you're like, if you could be swayed one way or the other, then that would be a five. You know what I mean? But if you're like, no, I don't believe that, you know, Bigfoot's real zero. And then if you really believe in something, it's a 10. Make sense? Yeah. All right, let's do this. Hey, conspiracy buffs, I double dare you to take some PCP, the paranormal conspiracy probe. On your marks, get set, and go. Okay, first question, Adele, are you a cop? Because if you're a cop, you have to tell me right now. That's a one. Okay. You're okay. Okay. All right. One is a cop. Flat Earth. Do you think we're living on a flat Earth? I'm like a five or a six on this one. Gamatria. Do you do you know what the concept of gamatria is? Uh, no. It's it's where you assign numbers to letters, and then like every word adds to a number, and then you match those numbers with other words numbers. Okay. If you're not familiar, then I'll I'll skip this one. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. Aliens. Where are you at? And let's let's be specific here. Let's talk about the little gray aliens with the big black, you know, the X-Files ones that come down. And where are you at on aliens? One to ten. I'm a one. And what about reptilians? I mean, two, I guess. What about Nephilim? Oh, a ten for sure. And then what about demons? A ten. Yeah. Angels. Yes. Ten. They're real. Do you think Stranger Things is real? Um, with CERN, because I haven't seen that show. Mm-hmm. Like a portal into another world. Right. They they basically open up. Well, the, the main premise, I'll give you the, the high level of it, is it's based on a subsection of MK Ultra research called Project Montauk or Project Monarch. It, it's all undocumented and maybe fictionalized, but that they were training children like these indigo children that had like advanced psychic abilities from birth, training them to hone their abilities to first find out where political opponents were, where's the general of this army at so that they could like send the troops in. So started out as remote viewing. And then through this remote viewing, some of the notes and in the movie, I'll paraphrase it is like, when they were looking for something else, like something saw them and followed them back into this world. So like this demon maybe, or this entity saw someone was in the astral realm and then followed the breadcrumbs. And now they're in our realm. So that's anyways, that's the concept. Um, yeah, I, I think if it's on TV, uh, then it's probably real and they'll let us know in like 10 years. Okay, so predictive programming. So that that actually leads into the next one is Simpsons. Do you think the Simpsons are in on it or, you know, like telling prophecies one to ten? They have to be in on it. Have to be. So is that a ten? Yes, like a hundred. Fluoride calcifies your pineal gland. Absolutely, it does. So ten. Yeah. Um, Dinosaurs. 10 dragons 10 Osama bin Laden was buried at sea out of respect for his culture one Pat Tillman was accidentally shot by friendly fire I don't know who that is okay that's another one to look into it one's a weird niche one but yeah he was he was a U.S. troop he left the 
NFL, I believe, to join the military. And he wanted to speak. The story goes that he wanted to speak out about some shady stuff that he saw going on in the Middle East. And then he uh, coincidentally got friendly fired uh, three times in the head by his own troops. And they said, oops, we didn't we didn't see you there. (laughs) Our bad. Anything coincidental that like you accidentally get shot three times is definitely conspiracy. (laughs) Celebrity clones one to ten. Ooh, this is a good one. Um, Eight. Are there end of the one to 10 segment? That was fun. We're going to revisit some of the the answers you gave. I want to start with the celebrity clones. Are there, what's an example of, of one that people have said, Oh, they're definitely a clone. And you were like, "Eh, I'm not so sure. Um, well, I, I don't know who I'm not sure about, but I'm definitely sure about Jamie Foxx. So Jamie Foxx clone for sure. For Sure, dude. What Not just think? a coincidence that he literally starred in a movie about having infinite clones at the exact same time that he himself got accused of being a clone. Right. And then he got super sick. He got super, super sick. And then like was on life support, I think. And then was sur- suddenly magically fine with no tattoo on the back of his head. Come on. So, so this is a this is one of my favorite ones. Jamie Foxx in particular in the tattoo. So, what? Why would they have the technology to clone a human being that looks convincing, but they didn't have the technology to tattoo the back of his neck? Did someone just like fall asleep at the wheel that day? Was it like an like an overlooked thing? Because it seems that if you've got the technology to clone someone, you could tattoo them. Yes. So. Um... My theory is that the satanic elite, based on their code of ethics, which is super weird, they have to show you and tell you what they're doing. So I think that they leave little clues for us so that they can say, well, we told them and now they can't be upset and they can't say we tricked them. So that's what I think about the tattoo. Right. You're describing, I think, what it's called uh, Revelation of the Method, which is one of the the lesser um, magics. And my favorite take on that, at least it makes more rational sense, I guess, is that if you show somebody or tell somebody what you're about to do and then you do it, it absolves you of any negative karma because then it's not like a sucker punch. It's like you saw the punch coming the whole time. And if you didn't duck out of the way, that's your fault, not my fault. I don't know if I agree with that, but it seems like that's sort of the dynamic that they're going for and it makes perfect sense because everything i mean everything that they're telling us they're doing it what what's your thoughts on q and the q movement did you get swept up in that do you have any friends that are in it do you identify with it um i don't know anyone personally who's like i'm a q and on um but i think that there's some value there uh, I don't think I take everything that the QAnon movement, uh, like, is there time travel? Like, I don't know. Um, the lizard people, uh, those kind of things. But like, to me, QAnon really highlighted Pizzagate and they really went crazy on that. And they really talked a lot about the satanic pedophile elite, like a lot to the point where they were like getting made fun of. And like, I think that was used to discredit them. Um so I think that there are some really good things about the Q movement. Um, 
it feels kind of like it's gone now. Don't you think? Well, it's been, I would say eradicated might be a more proper term for that because um, it was, it's essentially been marked as like a gray area quasi hate speech. Like they haven't outright said that if you've got a Q bumper sticker that it's illegal, but like socially it's sort of illegal. Like now, now you're like the kid at public school that's not allowed to use a phone, right? Right. Exactly. You're a, you're a weirdo if you're a Q. Yeah. And uh, so about Pizzagate, how how far do you think that goes? Do you think that they are legitimately torturing and eating and drinking the blood of babies for eternal youth? Or do you think that it's for like magical purposes, like demonic purposes? Is it all the above? I think it's all of the above for sure. Pizzagate is real. How do you pay like $17,000 for pizza? Like it doesn't even make sense. When the, in the emails of like Hillary Clinton, oh, we're going to have pizza. Um, and then she even said, we're going to have young kids in the hot tub. I don't know. There, that's a whole thing because we know, we know there's 85,000 migrant children missing, right? Well, who has them? And why, why are they like, to me, the open border is so many things, but like, one of them is okay. Well, we needed an influx of new blood and new children. So it's really unfortunate. It's like horrifying, but I think it's real for sure. Have you seen Sound of Freedom? No, I have not seen Sound of Freedom. Um, I have a really hard time watching movies with, like, like I was telling you, I'm sensitive to content, um, like on Twitter. But that also goes for anything oh, like that has to do with children. I just can't watch it. Uh, I start shaking and I get like, it really affects me. Have you seen What do you that? think about that movie being just being released in general as like a mainstream movie that's hyper focused on this very specific topic? If it actually compelled people to do something besides be upset, I think it would be awesome. But what I've noticed is it just gets people really, really riled up. And then when the hype goes down, so does their emotional charge and then nothing ever changes. So I think that's really, really unfortunate. Um, if the movie was like, okay, well now these are the, you know, uh, companies or organizations you can donate to. Um, and these proceeds like 98% or whatever go toward victims or whatever, or, hey, we're going to have this yearly thing where we all get together and we join forces. Like, I don't know. I just think it's like, it's it's unfortunate that that subject matter was such, uh, made so much money because that, where's that money going? And this could also play into that bread and circuses aspect too, because now if someone is upset about this, they've seen all the posts and like, someone should do something. I want them. And then they see the movie and they get to like, like live that out. They get to like, get that off their shoulders. And it's like, okay, the guy on the screen just took out all the bad guys. I feel a lot better about this now. I'm going to go on with my life. So in that case, yeah, it does, it does the opposite of, of raising awareness, right? It lets you like, shed that. <laughs> Correct. And I mean, um, I don't know all the details, so I might be wrong, but like this owner of angel studios or a big donor was like a cartel member 
or something. Oh, careful uh, now. They're, they're sponsors of this show too. So let's, let's <laughs> tread carefully here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, and then Tim Ballard, who like the story was based on, and I guess that actual story really happened. Um, sorry, I'm going this way. Um, he was just, he's in big trouble right now for like sexually assaulting a bunch of women who worked for his organization, even though he keeps denying it, like more and more women are coming out and saying he did this. And so that's not good. It discredits everything that they were working toward, whether I think that goal was valid or not. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how much good it did at all. And speaking of actually doing good, one of the things, and I, I guess this is a biased thing, but one of the things that people have been doing are like the, the boycotts, right? Like these big mass media boycotts where these, like one of them was boycott target shout out to my friend, Nick Natoli, who had the number one iTunes song that was called boycott target. I don't know if you heard oh, it. Yeah, I if did. You, have it, you should check it out. Um, so like those things get some legs, right? The Bud Light one uh, picked up a little bit. Although I always point out that in the late 1800s, Budweiser was also using like very homoerotic imagery for their advertising campaigns. They actually had an image of Zeus snatching up um, a young kid that represented Zeus taking him. Anyways, it's not a new thing, but but like Budweiser has been doing this for over 100 years for either of us who were even born. But like how far can boycotts get us? And And I'm thinking like, take it to its logical conclusion, right? Everyone boycotts Target. Everyone boycotts Walmart. Isn't it just a Hydra that just keeps popping up more and more heads? Because like, great, but Walmart changes their branding and they splinter off into like a mom and pop franchise, right? Like it feels like an, like a never ending non-winnable battle. Can you, can you convince me that it's brighter than that? <laughs> no. I cannot. Okay, great. All right. Well, that was another episode of no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I think, okay. So first these brands are like iconic American brands. Right. And I don't know if you know who Andy Frizzella is, but he went on a whole tirade about demoralization and taking things that are iconic to America, tearing them down. So Walmart is super American. Uh, Budweiser is like American Chevrolet. They had a whole thing, and now people don't want to buy Chevrolet trucks. Um, I mean, there's I missed so that many- one. What what's the what's the fiasco over Chevrolet? Did they did they outsource or was it like a commercial? It was a commercial uh, right around the same time as uh, the Budweiser commercial, because um, everybody thought they should jump on that bandwagon. So they have a, a truck come out, and it's like going through the the road. It's a regular truck, and then there's a a truck painted with the trans flag next to it and it like beats the other truck in the commercial and that's when people were like they've gone woke like we're done <laughs> um and i mean hey, they upgraded their tranny that's not fair right it, transmission by the way youtube right. don't, don't oh, demonetize okay. me i'm talking about the transmission but um uh but yeah it's like okay so yes we should not support the, a movement if you're not in line with that movement but at the same time it is a, all by design to te- tear down these brands do i think that walmarts are going to become fema like factories or whatever fema camps yeah i do i totally do and well <laughs> what better way to bankrupt them than make them 
you know, because of the DEI scores and the ESG scores, they have to go on board with these uh, agendas to get money. So what better way to like turn the American people against them so that they can do what they want with those buildings and change America? So aside from boycotts and aside from taking your kids out of public school and putting them in the private, let's say that let's say you live in a podunk town and Walmart's the only option and there's no private school. Let's just put you in that situation. What could that person do to improve their own quality of life and maybe even the quality of life of everybody? Is there something beyond posting online and raising awareness? Is there like something active that you think they could be doing? Totally. So actually, I grew up in a town like that. Uh, And every time I go to visit, there's one school, there's one Walmart, that's it. So I actually do... So boycott Walmart means boycott food or boycott supplies. Totally. Um, There isn't much you can do about like your... Like if you need toilet paper or things like that. I mean, you could be hardcore and drive, you know, 30, 45 minutes to the next town to a bigger town, right? And get your supplies there and then drive back. That's an option for people like that. Um, But you can grow your own food. You can start small with a couple of herbs and maybe a fruit tree and then go from there and just take a little at a time because nobody can just one day be a homesteader and the day before they were not. It takes, you know, it's a process. It takes time. and then if, if you work and your kids are in public school, I would say, because I actually have um, a step-in-law whose kids are in public school, but they've been so open with them. They've communicated so much with them about their values um, since they were little that their kids see the ridiculousness of it all and are not buying into it at all. So they're like really doing well with their kids. And I think, um, and I've talked to other parents whose kids are in public school and they just, they're like, we keep, we keep a very open dialogue. We talk about every single thing they're learning at school. We discuss it. We break down why it doesn't make sense. Um, and I think that's really the key. You no matter what kind of school you're doing, you've got to have a good relationship with your kids, right? So that they know what you believe and they're in line with your values. That seems like a, a very strong ideal to go toward. Like if you have your kids that come home and say, here's what we learned and the parents care enough that they actually have a full discussion about it and the kids care enough. Cause there's a lot of, I guess, families out there where the parents don't care what happened to the kid in school. And maybe speaking from personal experience, like, I don't know what happened in school. I was doodling in my notebook all day waiting for the day to end. Well, you know what I mean? But <laughs> Right. Well, I'm talking from public school, obviously. That's not a parent. Right, right. And I went to public school uh, from ninth grade to till um, I graduated. So was that a a huge difference uh, for you? And did you think it was good or bad? um, So there were pros and cons to both. So in the private school, uh, my kids were in a bubble and we don't want to keep our kids in a bubble forever, but we do while they're little. Um, And then And my, we jumped to public school and it was just a big shock because the kids were being raised totally different. And, um, I, I was just in culture shock my first year. And then I was like, okay, well, I like all this stuff. This is cool. So I definitely made some poor decisions in high school, just, uh, not being, 
really emotionally prepared for the big difference. And that's where it's like, well, we can't keep the, our kids in a bubble forever. So we do have to like little by little educate them and like give them more independence and control over their environment so that when they do get into an environment, they're like ready for it. But to me, kids are so impressionable. <clears throat> and this is the thing that my step in, in law family member said, she was like, the kids that are not being raised by their parents, like their parents don't care, they'll buy into anything. And so that's why we talk to our kids so much. And so while my kids are little and they're literally think their teachers know everything, we need to be keeping them safe. And until then, uh, or until they're older, we're, um, we're doing this <laughs> and it works for us. That That's so right. And that's such a terrifying concept to me for kid, people that have kids in public schools, because the teachers themselves put them like they present themselves like I know more than your parents. Whatever they think they know is wrong. I'm the expert here. Who's the teacher, right. right? Who's getting paid to teach you this? And if there's absolutely no pushback on that, that's one thing. But then if you also have it to where kids are seeking not the attention of their parents, but they're seeking attention of other kids, now they're getting raised by Reebok and Nike and Disney. And like, it's it's the worst possible outcome, but also it's like this ultimate taboo to tell people that, you know, culture to quote a guy named Terrence McKenna. And if you don't know him, that's fine. But he's got this whole speech about how culture is not your friend because all it is, is like these convenient prepackaged labels that you can seal yourself in just for the convenience of corporations to like know what bucket to right? Like you're, you're the product in an Amazon warehouse and you're just packaging yourself to let them know what bin you're in so they can like take you out and put you over there. Um, exactly. but that's uh, that's what all culture is about. That's what trends are about. TikTok dances, whatever the latest hairstyle is. It's all just like, oh, I can put that person into this bucket because it's convenient for the whole structure that we live in, right? Right, because we're the product. Right, moo moo. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, thank you so much for your time, Adele. The conspiracy. Oh, one last question: Who yeah. who anointed you conspiracy queen? Did you inherit that through birth? Was it given to you <laughs> by friends? Did you self appoint? Uh, uh, well, I was posting a lot of uh, conspiracies uh, through my content, which is uh, somewhat patriotic, somewhat right wing. And this guy came in my DMs and said, "Oh, you just like you just think you're the queen of conspiracies, don't you? You just post about every single one." And I thought, "Yeah." I do post about every single one. You're right. I am the queen of conspiracies. So it was actually a troll who gave me okay. the title and then I just ran with it. Like I'll take that crown and I'll put it on my head. And there That's it is. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you for, uh, for, you know, bestowing us with your presence, uh, oh your majesty, goodness. the conspiracy queen. <laughs> uh, oh, tell, yeah, tell people again where to find you on TikTok and Instagram and anywhere else. Uh, Instagram's truth.bomb.mom. Same on TikTok. Telegram is get me off this planet. And that's it for now. Okay. And I'm going to lead this out. I, I suggest it's a minute long little commercial. It's a comic book that I just finished, like literally like four days ago, it ended um, about two girls, two twin girls that are fighting back against the new world order and like the whole anti-woke thing. So you might be interested. I'll, I'll send you a copy. So thanks again uh -huh. for hanging out and talking with me and my audience so yeah bye. thank you for having me frazzle drip fun that's not the right one trust me this is the right one <laughs> die
dive into a realm where comedy meets cosmic adventure. Chaos Twins, created by comedian Sam Tripoli and comic publisher Paranoid American, will sweep you off your feet. Join two girls with the astonishing ability to morph into animals, rally with their cryptid crew, and traverse diverse dimensions. But you don't have to take my word for it. Sign up now at chaostwins.com. In a place as curious as Crown City, adventure awaits at every turn. Meet Anna and Becca, two spirited souls navigating a world filled with wonders and weirdness. Alongside their trusted allies, Biggie, Mathilda, and the Chupacabros, they'll stand against aliens, reptilians, and mysteries beyond imagination. Dive into their captivating tales and discover a world where anything is possible. For more information, visit chaostwins.com, samtripoli.com, and paranoidamerican.com. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.